The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. The Crossover Podcast back. And at it again, Sam Franco, Chris Brame along with you. Thank you so much for joining us right here on 960theref.com. Also on iTunes. If you have not yet done so, you should subscribe to us on iTunes so you can get every episode delivered right to you. And you don't have to go look for it. So it's uh, definitely something that uh, makes it easier to listen to the Crossover Podcast. So, Brame, we've got uh, plenty to get to today. Recording this on Wednesday and I took a tour of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium yesterday, so we will uh, talk about that. Also, uh, some SEC news and notes. The Florida Gators is going to be a little shorthanded against Michigan. We'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about some comments uh, that Pat Dye made about this year's Auburn team. And uh, we'll wrap up with a little talk about the Hawks as the NBA schedule came out. Uh, not so much analyzing the schedule, really, just kind of lamenting the fact that we don't think the Hawks are going to be very good this season. I mean, we're not going to pick our 10 must-see games of the season? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, no, we are not going to do that. But we'll start off with the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and you can head over to 960theref.com and check out the photo gallery I put together. 50 photos uh, from the behind-the-scenes look at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium yesterday. The locker rooms, very nice. Uh, just just everything in the stadium. I mean, it, it really does when you first step inside it. Uh, having been to the Georgia Dome all those years, I mean, it really does kind of blow you away, just everything that that, that all kind of hits you at once. The visiting locker rooms are nice, too? Oh, they didn't take us in there. Oh, okay. No. Because I like the old stories, like the old Boston Garden, where the visiting locker room was, uh, it didn't have any air, or like the pipes leaked and everything, and it was just not a uh, a warm, friendly place. Who? What is it? Is it Iowa that um, that paints their visitors' locker room like pink or something? I think it's Iowa, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you did. So they didn't let you see the uh, visiting locker room. So you just got to tour the Falcons. Now, did you run into any like celebrities there? Uh, Darren Ravel was there. Okay. Uh, I mean, in terms of celebrities, I mean, like no Falcons or anything were there. Well, I mean, Brian Finneran was there. So like you know, a former Atlanta Falcon okay. and, and some other like Atlanta media personalities, but nobody really. Mr. Famous. Blank. No, he was. At least I didn't see him there. Uh, Kevin Gillespie from Top Chef was there because he's uh, controlling some of the concessions. Uh, I know he has the. Uh, is he the guy with the, the big red beard? Yes, I he remember is. him. Okay. Yeah, and uh, they let us try the uh, chicken sandwich from his uh, his uh, I guess restaurant slash concession stand at the stadium. It's called the Closed on Sunday Chicken Sandwich, which obviously is an allusion to Chick Fil A. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing about that is there will be Chick Fil A at Mercedes Benz Stadium. It just won't be open on Sunday. <laughs> Well, then, okay, I guess there'll be other events there than Falcons games. Well, Atlanta United games will be there. They'll have uh, various other things as well. And and the thing about that is the one thing that I discovered yesterday that I had kind of already thought because Arthur Blank put a lot into Atlanta United, but this really is a 50-50 venture for Atlanta United and Falcons uh, in terms of the amenities in the stadium and a lot of people will be like especially people that don't like soccer like well that's ridiculous you know they should be catering to the falcons but everything about it seems like a 50 50 venture whereas this building is being built and has been built for both teams when i went down on the field the first thing i noticed is uh, in terms of a turf field 
it is about the spongiest, like, like real grass, real ground type feeling turf I've ever stepped on before. And I was talking with Atlanta United's president, Darren Eels, about that. And he said they really kind of gave us the, uh, the, the first option there in terms of picking the turf because it's way more important for soccer than it is for football. Yeah. Um, now, was he calling it the pitch, though? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, he's, fr- he's from England. Yeah. So, yeah, he definitely uh, uh, keeps it uh, authentic there. But uh, it was a it was a very awesome experience going over there and seeing all the stuff. That halo board is, is really impressive. I mean, when you look up and see it, it, it it's one of the more remarkable pieces of technology I've ever seen. And one of the other things that is really impressive about this stadium is that they have Wi-Fi outfitted throughout the entire building. Uh, Eighteen hundred wireless access points. They've uh, worked with AT and T to uh, set all this up. Four thousand miles of fiber versus four hundred miles in Levi Stadium, and it says uh, in the little brochure that they gave us, 71,000 people can stream video concurrently because of the way that they have set this up with their Wi-Fi network. So uh, one thing that has hurt not just NFL but a lot of live sporting events is the ability to stay connected by staying at home and watching it. So Atlanta United, the Falcons, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, everybody involved in this, have really done their research and done a great job of trying to make it a much more interactive experience going to games at the stadium. Yeah, I was looking at um, you know your post yesterday, and I guess the, the one thing that stood out to me, you're right, the halo board looks cool. I mean, the the whole roof concept will be interesting to see. And I'm, it's not like that full roof. It basically will open up over the uh, – it looks like over the field, but if you're sitting at the game, the roof's open, it starts raining. Like, you're not you won't get, get wet. wet, yeah. Unless it's like ridiculous sideways rain. Right, something like that. But, I mean, the other thing that really struck me is kind of, I mean, the way the field looks, the way the field was painted yesterday, and the color of the seats. I mean, it still sort of looked like you were inside the Georgia Dome. Right, no, and I then that's the first thing I said. I think I even said that in the uh, the video that I did for Facebook Live on 960 The Rest Facebook page was that it's got a feel of the Georgia Dome, but just a much cooler and much more upgraded Georgia Dome. Yeah, when, and I, I don't know, if did you see one of the early pictures I remember seeing when, before the stadium was even complete is that that I thought was a cool touch. They have the uh, helmet of every high school team in the state. Do they have like a display there? Yeah, and they had something very similar to that in the uh, Georgia Dome. So, I mean, that's not something that they didn't have before, but okay. it's cool that they kind of brought that over, so to speak. Last time I went to the Georgia Dome was for WrestleMania, so... Yeah, and you might not have uh, taken the uh, full tour around. And that's, seen all that, that's, so. it, has the WWE announced when WrestleMania will come to this new place yet? Not yet, but I'm hoping it's soon. I mean, obviously that would be really cool to see a WrestleMania in a, in a stadium that has that much uh, connectivity and, and that much interactivity in it. So, Are you still going to have a hookup at this new stadium like you had at the old one? I don't think so. Oh, no? Wow, I, think, okay. I think the hookup might have gone away. Uh, this hmm. one a much more expensive stadium to have that hookup with, but... Uh, it's just a uh, it's just a really cool project that they've, they've gone under here. The roof, obviously, something that isn't quite working up to par yet, but uh, we were reassured that it is uh, or progress is being made in that direction. What do they say? Like, what is the time for opening and closing it? Um, well, like they, they didn't demonstrate it yesterday. No, no, no. They, they're not ready for that yet. Like, uh, there there's some issues with how like I think how heavy like the the stuff is, and they may be bringing in lighter material for it but right now it is a it is something that cannot just open and close like that so there's some issues with it but they assured us that they are working on those and that it will be ready hopefully sooner rather than later well it looked like one of those things that when an architect is designing it 
it looks cool because I guess it has a, sort of like flower petals opening and closing yeah, or something yeah, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. idea. But, you know, I guess like then structurally actually trying to implement it has been a bigger issue, which is as long as it's closed, I guess that's the uh, that's the key right now. I know because Alabama and Florida State announced uh, a little while back that they plan on playing with it closed anyway. So no big deal. Yeah, the uh, it, it's one of those things where in theory it's nice, but in practice, you know, it takes a little while to get it right. So hopefully they're able to do that. And they have uh, the open house this coming Saturday where I think Atlanta United fans, and it's, it's only for like, I think, season ticket holders, but Atlanta United's season ticket holders get to go in and they'll do a practice on the field. And then I think they're doing the same thing for Falcons and their season ticket holders like an hour or so later. So it's going to be a very busy time over there this weekend but one thing about mercedes-benz stadium that's much better than suntrust park is the ease of access in terms of getting there i mean you have public transportation that can get you there as opposed to suntrust park where you really either have to take a, a taxi uber whatever down there or park and deal with all the traffic yeah well i mean that was the big thing the braves even did is they basically partnered with uber to try and uh, encourage you to take that to the stadium because I know e- even on the weekday games though with they've got all those businesses around there there's no guarantee that you can park in their lots like you right. can on the weekends right so uh definitely a lot easier to get down to Mercedes-Benz Stadium and check out a Falcons game although uh, might be a little more expensive than checking out just your normal run-of-the-mill uh, Braves game but it's going to be worth it I'm telling you that stadium is absolutely incredible and I fully recommend uh, everybody getting over there as soon as they can to check something out in it because, uh, like I said earlier, you'll be blown away. I mean, it is uh, it is like the Georgia Dome times a million. Will uh, the Falcons lose a game there this year? Probably. You know, it's like that thing where people are like, hey, what about the, the Patriots? Can they go 16-0? and 0? No. They're going to lose a game. You know, the, the, they'll lose a game or two here or there. And it's the same with the Falcons. Can they go undefeated at home? I mean, that's eight games. You're saying they're going to win eight games in a row or eight games without losing at home. So if, if you're betting the, the smart money, it's no, they will not go undefeated at home. Just like, no, the Patriots won't go 16-0. and Well, is it, it's something that early on when the Falcons first drafted Matt Ryan for his first couple of years, the Falcons were pretty much unbeatable at the uh, Georgia Dome. I think I remember the first time they lost was a uh, Jay Cutler brought the Broncos in. And um, and beat them, but maybe like for the first two years under Ryan, they were undefeated at the Dome. But, you know, then as time went on, that wasn't so much. Even last year when Atlanta ended up having a great season, lost that game at home to San Diego, mm-hmm. you know, lost that uh, game to Kansas City. So it it hasn't been the – it wasn't the advantage that it had been early on and uh, in his tenure. But, yeah, I mean, there's probably not going to win every game at home. But if you're an NFL team, you probably definitely want to win like at least six of them. Yeah, you want to do Give yourself your best. that wiggle room on the road. Then. Of course. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what ends up happening with the Falcons there. But uh, I have a feeling that's going to be a very good home field advantage because that place looks like it can get pretty darn loud. Yeah, unless every Sam, unless everybody's streaming video at the time that the that's game's going on. Yeah, hey, they're watching well, something else. Yeah, that number again, uh, according to the uh, technology little brochure they gave us, seventy-one thousand people can stream. At the same time, and the network won't break. So, like, basically, you could go to a Falcons game and watch the Red Zone channel if you've subscribed to a Sunday ticket. Yeah, or if you have Verizon, I think. I think Verizon's the only, like, phone provider that you can watch, uh, like, NFL content, which is funny because yeah. AT&T is the one that's providing the Wi-Fi 
at the stadium. Well, that'll probably be oddly blocked then at the stadium. Hey, Somehow. why am I having a hard time accessing my <laughs> Verizon NFL package? I would assume so. But, I mean, there is a in, – in, in 23 days upon opening, uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium will host um, three Atlanta Falcons games, one of them on Sunday Night Football, the Chick-fil-A kickoff games between Florida State and Alabama and Georgia Tech and Tennessee, um, four nationally televised games between NBC, ESPN, and Fox Sports 1, and three Atlanta United games. So, I mean, that's a lot of stress on that building within the first you know month that it's open. I'm not going there until Georgia's playing in the SEC title game in it, though. Oh, hey, that might be coming up this December. So we Well, will, that's uh, what I'm saying. I hope so. I mean, the, 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 the first time Georgia's actually scheduled to play in it is 2020, and that, or Virgi- right. the opener against Virginia, against Virginia on Labor Virginia Day. On Labor Day night. That well, is hope, correct. Yeah, hopefully Georgia will get there before then in the SEC championship game. If they don't, then you know we got big problems. And uh, how about this, Brame? Uh 1,264 beer taps at Mercedes-Benz Stadium versus 30. At the Georgia Dome. So, Good grief. Uh, there are yeah. only 30 at the whole Georgia Dome? Yeah, and I was thinking about that, and I guess most of the time you get beer at the Georgia Dome, you're getting cans or bottles or something like that, maybe. Yeah. So you're not dealing with taps. But uh, you also have unlimited refills for non-alcoholic beverages. And there's like that was one thing I noticed. There's like Coke taps like all over the place near concessions. So, so you, can have, you can go do it yourself. You can just go do it yourself. Yeah. yeah, it's self-serve, which is uh, pretty neat there. And it says pricing will be the same in terms of that fan-friendly like concession pricing for every event, Super Bowl included. What does it matter if it's that for the Super Bowl, though? Because no regular Joe's getting tickets to the Super Bowl anyway. Yeah. No, that's what they were. Um, I guess Rich McKay, he went over to SEC Con mm-hmm. and, um, and gave a little presentation on the new stadium. Since, I mean, obviously, the, uh, SEC the SEC will time. be in there uh, every year with the title game and then it seems like Alabama plays in there quite a bit too with these uh, these season kickoff games. So that's what he was saying is, yeah, those prices they rolled out, or you can get like, you know, a hot dog and popcorn or whatever for a couple of bucks. That mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you, you can even get that for the for the SEC title game. Yeah, it's uh, I'll just run some of this down. A two dollar Coca Cola refillable cup, two dollar hot dogs, waffle fries are three dollars. Uh, Bud Lights draft beer five dollars. Uh, cheeseburgers five dollars pizza three dollars popcorn and water bottles are both two dollars pretzels are also two dollars uh nachos with cheese three dollars souvenir refillable cup four so you can get a not like non-souvenir cup for two or a refillable souvenir cup for four and then like a chicken tender basket with fries six dollars which is that's about what you're paying if you're going to like a restaurant or, or like like a fast food restaurant to get that stuff. Yeah, so, I mean normally at, at stadiums that stuff's like ten bucks. They're like, hey, pay a bunch of money to get season tickets and have a personal seat license, and we'll throw you a bone with concession prices. Yeah, and by the way, the personal seat license isn't the tickets. That just gives you the ability to then order the tickets. That is absolutely yeah. correct. The tickets are separate. So, like I said, I know it's a it's going to cost you a lot of money to get there. It costs a lot of money to build this building, but they did it right. Other than uh, the roof working, and hopefully we'll uh, get that thing working uh, sooner rather than later, and, and that's what they were telling us. So uh, hopefully that's the case. And uh, it also says that uh, 29% less energy used than a typical uh, build. For yeah, a building is building. Well, so. and so the Super Bowl's in 2019. Georgia's definitely playing there in 2020. Um, hopefully they'll be there before that. Hopefully they'll be there this December. Well, the college football national championship will be there in uh, January. 
this year. Well, 2018. It's, yeah, this for this, this season. season yeah. And then 2020, this building will host the Final Four. Okay. Well, then hopefully Georgia plays like two games there. Absolutely. A, yeah. But not in a row, I guess. They'd have to play the semifinals somewhere. Where are the semifinals at this year? The Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl? I think it's Rose and Sugar. There? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So then Georgia goes to the Sugar Bowl, SEC title game, Sugar Bowl, and then back to uh, the Benz. Yeah, that's right. ATL, New Orleans, ATL. Works out perfectly and it's funny too because if they play in uh new orleans if, if, if they were to do that go sec title game sugar bowl and the national title game they'd be playing in mercedes-benz sponsored stadiums back to back to back yeah although the uh mercedes-benz superdome is only going to be that for like another year because mercedes-benz is not renewing uh because they just built this giant stadium in atlanta and so Superdome will be sponsored by someone else yeah. at some point. Well, in New Orleans future. probably trying to tear that thing down and get them a new stadium, too. So take that, New Orleans. We stole your stadium sponsor. All right. Uh, the crossover podcast here on 960theref.com. Sam Franco, Chris Brame, along with you. Switching gears here to some college football talk where the Florida Gators are suspending, was it seven players? Seven. For their season the opener. headliners, Callaway. Right. Antonio Callaway, their leading returning receiver, one of the best receivers in the country, and he is uh, obviously not going to be taking part in this game. And Jim McElwain was kind of talking about how he's running out of chances. Isn't this like basically, and this isn't really running afoul of the law so much as it is more running afoul of like the university policies and the way scholarships work and things like that. Because if you don't know, basically what he did was ring up charges on his like university card and then tried to sell those things for cash. Um so, again, I'm not exactly sure the legal uh, elements of this, but definitely something you shouldn't be doing. So this is, again, Antonio Callaway doing something dumb, and this is like the fourth or fifth time he's run afoul of breaking the rules, so to speak. So when Jim McElwain's like, yeah, he's running out of chances, well, how many chances do you get? <laughs> I guess until he turns pro and he's not Jim McElwain's problem anymore. Um, because it's just like you said, Antonio Callaway is one of the best receivers in the country. He's uh, a projected first round pick, but you never know. I mean, by the time we get to next April's draft, I'm sure his off the field issues at Florida will have been picked apart to the point that uh, maybe it ends up costing his draft uh, stock some. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Even Spurrier kind of pointed out, uh, even said like, yeah, I mean, when is this kid gonna get it? Because he has, he's not gonna run out of chances. I mean, that's the uh, that's the bottom line with him, unless. Unless something happens to him in like November, late in the season, maybe hopefully the Gators aren't having a great year, and then McIlwain at that point will just decide, oh, you know, all right, you're gone now. But um, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like three or four times he's been suspended, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, how many chances do you get before you eventually run out? And and yeah, McIlwain looks like he's uh, playing this kind of close to the vest. And look, this Florida offense is one where. You're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. You know, you're going to have uh, not necessarily the greatest offense because that's the thing. Their defense has been leading them the past couple of years, which is weird because McElwain was brought in there to be an offensive coach, but he hasn't gotten the recruits in yet that he's needed to, to have that kind of success. They will have Malik Zaire as their quarterback. I don't necessarily know if that's going to bring them a ton of success. I mean, there's a big question mark there. But the big thing that Florida's having to do now is is kind of revamp that defense because all of the uh, recruits that Will Muschamp got in there are gone. Yeah, and then they lost their uh, you know leading tackler from a year ago back in uh, July tore his uh, ACL, so he's done for the season. So you can basically uh, 
take another guy off of last year's defense. At least they were hoping to have Marcel Harris. And that's the thing with Callaway and the Gators offense has just been so punchless over the last couple of years. But even, I mean, before McIlwain got there, when Muschamp was there, there was no real juice to it either. And Callaway is just this one presence who, you know, can certainly you know, add to that bottom line and help them score points. So, and I guess that's why McIlwain is, you know, demonstrating some patience. But, I mean, he is sitting him for a pretty big game. It's not like Florida's opening with some dog opponent this season. they got to play Michigan. But uh, on the bright side for Florida, okay, the Gators are suspending seven guys for that game. But Michigan's basically replacing its entire team from last year. Um, so, I mean, I still look at that game and think Florida's got a really good chance to win because you look at a Michigan replacing practically every starter on defense. They lose their top two rushers, their top two or three receivers. They've got their quarterback Spates coming back, but that's about it offensively. So there's a lot of turnover for the Wolverines this year. Absolutely there is. And uh, uh, so it's going to be a very interesting game over in Jerry World in week one to see uh, you know which of these teams that is dealing with attrition and and players leaving and things like that it's gonna be interesting to see which of these teams comes out on top there and it is a big game for both teams I mean Florida kind of having that that new really first Jim McElwain team versus a Michigan team that like you said is replacing a lot so uh, that'll be one to pay attention to there another thing uh, that we wanted to get to here in college football were comments from Pat Dye about the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, I mean, Auburn is, they're in that weird position again where all of a sudden there's a lot of hype around them. And just like a, a couple of years ago when they ended up flopping to about a, was it a 7-5 and five or an 8-4, or an and four. Mm-hmm. everyone was so fired up about Jeremy Johnson. But, you know, there's, you know, Pat Dye's not doing anything to dampen the enthusiasm there. You know, saying, he says it's the most talented team he's seen at Auburn. And, I mean, he coached some pretty good teams. And, you know, they feel like, well, the, their 0-4 team was pretty good, didn't lose a game, and had four guys taken in the first round of the NFL draft. That would have seemed to have been a pretty talented team. But uh, Pat Dye says, nope, this one is the most talented one that he's uh, seen. So the, uh, the hype is definitely not, uh, not dying off with Auburn as we get closer and closer to the, uh, to the season. And we'll see because early, I think it's the second game of the year, right? They go to Clemson. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right off the bat, you'll kind of uh, get a sense of how justified it all is with uh, with that game in, in week two. I mean, Auburn gave them a game last year, was on the Plains, and I don't think anyone expected that game to really be close at that point with Clemson coming in, having been in the national title game the year before, and Deshaun Watson was back. But uh, Auburn hung with them right to the very end. So, you know, can they go to Death Valley and pull an upset this year? If they do, then you, then, you know, yeah, then you're like, all right, well, maybe all this offseason talk was, uh, was warranted. But, you know, what happens if they lose that game early on? And then you're like, eh, well, here we are again. We get excited about Auburn in the offseason, and uh, they, don't, uh, they don't produce here on this big stage. Well, you know, a lot's going to be on Jared Stidham, and he's been named the Auburn quarterback. And the problem is all that hype, and you mentioned hype, that's surrounding him, it's like, this is, sounds very Jeremy Johnson-esque. I mean, the only difference is that Stidham has playing experience at this level, be it at Baylor, but at the same time, I mean, it's it's not like he's been in the SEC before. Playing at Baylor where the Big 12 doesn't really play a whole lot of defense or at least near the level of defense you're going to see in the SEC, it's going to be a lot different for him at Auburn. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, the whole Jeremy Johnson thing too, it piggybacked with Nick Marshall, and that's the thing with – Replacing Nick Marshall, Nick Marshall was a really good quarterback and productive in that Malzahn system. And heck, they won the SEC title with him and darn near won the national championship. At least in this instance with Stidham, 
he's not coming in and replacing an all-star QB. I mean, Sean White did a serviceable job for him last year. You know, he completed a high percentage of passes and, you know, he didn't really turn the ball over. So, you know, he, he wasn't doing anything really to get him beat, except for here in uh, Athens. He did throw that big pick six, which uh, came in handy for Georgia. But uh, so at least Stidham has that going. The, the bar wasn't set as high as it was for Jeremy Johnson. But yeah, I mean, just for him individually, when you think about some of the the offseason smoke that's been around him too. And you got to consider that he sat out last year. He didn't go and play Juco or anything. So he started three games as a freshman at Baylor. So since his senior year in high school to now, he's basically played three three football games. Mm-hmm. But he's just going to come into the SEC. And, I mean, more to the point, the second game of the season, he's going to go over to Clemson and uh, and light it up against that defense. You know, we'll see. But yeah, you'll believe it when you see it. Yeah. All right. So lots of uh, college football as we go closer and closer to the uh, week one, although I guess week zero uh, coming up here with the uh, Stanford and Rice game uh, over there in Australia and, and some other games as well. Yeah, but Bobo and versus Oregon State. That's right. That is another one. And that one, honestly, that one probably has more intrigue for people around here than Stanford and Rice in Australia, uh, which will actually be kicking off at noon the day after it actually airs here, technically, you know, because it's a, what, a 10 p.m. kickoff here, which is a noon kickoff on Sunday yeah. in Australia. It'll so be like we're uh, looking into the future. We are. Yeah, uh, We'll need to get our flux capacitors ready to rock yep. uh, for that game. Uh, as we wrap up the show here, the uh, crossover podcast on 960theref.com, wanted to mention the Hawks as the NBA schedule was released and the Hawks start with what like five straight road games I believe open in Dallas five in a row on the road now does that probably have something to do with them renovating Phillips Arena yeah I think they just wanted to give that little bit of extra time in case uh just in case they they need to have any thing to work on there to uh, make sure the stadium's ready to go because barbershop ready well it's an ongoing renovation so like it's not going to be completely done when the season starts you know I think they take a break from it for the Hawks season and then they'll get back to it when the season is over but it's still uh one of those things where they're just trying to have a safeguard in there I guess but when the Hawks schedule came out it barely moved the meter for me because look this Hawks team is in revamping rebuilding mode and I think John Collins at least in the summer league looked like a very good uh draft pick and hopefully one that, that turns into a guy that, that plays good minutes for the Hawks and then contributes early on. But, you know, this is a Hawks team that lost to Paul Millsap, so you're not going to have him. And, and it's just really a, a a rebuild. No more Dwight Howard either, and that was probably addition by subtraction. But in the long run, uh, this was a good move for the Hawks to make to try and hit the reset button, especially with the situation in the East right now where Cleveland looks like they're probably about to be flipped upside down, possibly trading – Kyrie Irving and then losing LeBron James after this season so the East might be up for grabs here pretty soon yeah and I mean that's what the Hawks need to do get in the lottery so um you know when I see Atlanta's schedule comes out and they've got five straight road games whatever it takes to uh to get the Hawks a really bad record get them in the lottery and uh and get them a chance to to get that type of player that they just aren't going to attract in free agency at some point they're going to have to get lucky in the draft and uh and find a guy that way and that's the best the, the best way to do it is to get in the lottery so I mean all these projections where you see I mean Atlanta's uh these power ratings that have the Hawks as the worst team in the NBA and even the you know the odds makers with season win totals have Atlanta what is it like 30 and a half or something 
one of the lowest totals out there in the uh, league. To me, it's all good news. Is Atlanta just you finally have to you, you got to suck it up and be willing to just stink? And for the the longest time, the Hawks didn't want to do that. They were just happy with the status quo. We'll be a four or five seed. We'll have a good year. We'll make the playoffs. We might win a playoff series. That'll be about it. But um, you know now they've just got to like like Dan Quinn said, they have to embrace the suck. That's right. And we all have to embrace the suck if uh, one day the Hawks are really going to be able to. Uh, you know, to get into the NBA Finals or something. By the way, uh, and look, this just shows how much I really care about talking about the Hawks right now. Getting back to Mercedes-Benz Stadium for a minute, one of the things that was cool about it was like when you go down into the underbelly and and go where like the Falcons locker room is going to be and stuff, Dan Quinn has plastered those, you know, sayings. I'm not even going to call them cliches, but those coach-speak sayings all over the place. There's just like right outside the door to the Falcons locker room, there's a big thing that says brotherhood. And then on the other side, it says a ball battle, you know, because one yeah. thing Dan Quinn is the Hawks are about, or the Falcons, excuse me, we're about the ball. Got to have the ball. And he's always talking about how you got to win the ball, create turnovers and, and things like that. So. I, t- Dan, I mean, Quinn needs to be careful with this, though, because he's like one lousy season away from turning into Butch Jones. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That works. When you're winning, yeah. when you're losing, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> right. So he's fresh off an NFC championship. So it's uh, it all sounds great, but you know, you get a couple guys banged up this season. You know, Atlanta's already dealing with like Devontae Freeman's in concussion protocol. You know, Julio Jones never practices anymore because he seems to constantly have something nagging him. Which, yeah, whether it's a foot or whether it's a calf or just right. something like that. Which leads to him not playing a full 16 games. But and, it doesn't matter if he plays the way he played last season. <laughs> Well, no, and I mean, last year they 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 had the luxury of playing the Rams and Niners in back-to-back weeks, so they actually were able to sit them. I mean, I don't know, looking at the schedule right now, if you could see like a, a period of time where like, you know, we could probably do without Julio Jones for two games. I think it really just depends on the record at the time when you're thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, but you're just, again, you're just a couple couple little things away from, from falling to seven and nine, and then Dan Quinn just sounds more like Butch Jones than he does, you know, Newt Rockney. That's right. So as Brain said, you got to watch out with the coach speak and the rah-rah stuff when you're not winning games. Yes. But for now, Dan Quinn's winning games, so we will let him continue to be all about the ball. All right, that'll wrap things up here on this episode of The Crossover right here on 960theref.com. Sam Franco, Chris Brain. Don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes. It makes it much easier for you because you have every episode delivered into your uh, iTunes or whatever as soon as it drops. So uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, and we'll be back next week with another episode right here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.